Hi, my name is Sean Taylor. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and X fame. Chris, we got to use the real name. Gotta use no, we don't. I refuse. And now in, in the words of Eddie Murphy, or maybe it was Arsenio's character, in Coming to America, his mama called him ads, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. His mama called him Twitter, I'm going to call him Twitter. <laughs> We're talking, <laughs> talking about Muhammad Ali. <laughs> mama called him Clay, I'm going to call him Clay. No, that's the perfect. That's the perfect analogy right there. I uh, the, the, every time I see that stupid X on my phone, I want to delete it just out of anger. Like I put that on my phone because of the cute bird icon. I always thought that was like a perfect. Like Twitter sounds like chatter about nothing. It sounds like short, sweet. A bird, simple icon. Like all the the external things about Twitter, they all made sense. They all fit together. It's so perfectly, and now it's a like a copy and pasted letter character X from like a scientific calculator, and it pisses me off so much. Hey, so we're from Twitter fame. We're we're gonna stuck uh, stay stuck in the past, which is why we're talking about TV shows that are like fifteen years old. <laughs> Perfect bit, Chris. How you been? It's been a few weeks since we've talked. Has been. I'm like uh, doing great. A month. Yeah, it's big. We recorded three episodes all in one, and then we took off last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been great. Uh, I just got promotion this week at work. Oh, congratulations! So I hadn't heard. Nicely done. Yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I accepted that position yesterday, so it was a huge jump. I'm a manager now of something. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. I thought you were gonna but, say like somebody's name. You're just I'm a manager of Bill and Susan. Like I, <laughs> oh, no. no, I have no one under me right now. It's a whole brand new team. I gotta hire people and okay. stuff. Yeah, but no, I'm very very excited for. It. I've been wanting to be a manager for I don't know, been overdue for this uh, career step. Uh, that's awesome. Did you did you celebrate? Did you do anything? Go like surely you went and like bought yourself a thing, right? That's what I would have done. <laughs> so. I I am <laughs> thinking about buying me a thing, which you will greatly benefit from. Uh, <laughs> I want to. I do have my eyes on the whole series of Brooklyn Nine Nine on Voodoo. Sixty nine dollars right now. I'm like, hmm, I could probably just wait until like maybe Black Friday will go on sale. It's maybe going to sell on Black Friday, and I'll just buy it. But sixty nine dollars just seemed like a lot. Even though it's not a lot for an entire series. Of something I used to spend twenty dollars on just a season of a DVD. <clears throat> I think about I always think about entertainment. That's why I'm a sucker for video games. Maybe I always think about entertainment in like dollars per hour of focus, right? So like, how many hours is in a season of Brooklyn Nine Nine? Twelve to twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Twelve ish though, right? Give or take. Oh, in a season. Yeah, in a season. Yeah, 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 yeah in a season. Uh-huh. Okay. And then right, so you take that number, and then times was there nine seasons? Think so nine sounds right. Uh, you, I mean, you basically got a hundred hours of entertainment at seventy bucks. Yeah. That sounds pretty reasonable to me. But I know it's kind of a, that's not like necessarily a responsible way to look at things. It's just what always sticks in my brain. Like when they charge, listen, unpopular opinion. Capcom said this thing this week about like video games should cost more, and I always uh, like good video games should cost more. I'll throw that out there. Like when, like when Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom was seventy dollars, and people kind of like, like, 
10 more bucks for a game that <laughs> might be one of the best games since the previous game in the series that we've played for like hundreds of hours. How is that probably, not worth 10 extra bucks? I'll, I'll, knowing in retrospect, I would probably spend up to 110 or $20 on Tears of the Kingdom. Now, going in, I, I can't take that risk. No. But in retrospect, well, like, yeah. I would. Well, we're kind of validated technology people like True. our games. We'll talk well, about yeah. games, and every once in a while, we'll buy a you know an All Star Brawl, knowing fully well that it'll probably be mediocre. That's a forty dollar right. risk. Like, all right. But speaking of Avatar, yeah, that's hoping that me we... me, buy, <laughs> me buying that game early is what's preventing me from buying the new Avatar game. So I'm like, I got I felt chipped on that one because <laughs> I played it just a little bit. I didn't really like it. I bought it. I might have got on sale for a little bit. I think when but I we bought got it, it I think it was like $30 because it started at 40 It wasn't a full price. Yeah. It was like a $40 title. And then we waited like That's... like a week and we both got it at 30 bucks already after a week or something like that. That, that game is worth 15 That's a good $15, maybe $20 game. So I feel like I've gypped and I don't want to give... Nickelodeon or whoever more money, so I might wait until Avatar Generations goes down to forty. I know I'm kind of lazy about it. I don't think in the fives in the in between it's just easier to tier stuff in tens. It's like yeah, that's a twenty dollar game to me, right? Uh, and like I don't know if you ever played Nickelodeon Kart Racers, so like the first one is really bad, but the second one is really good. It's like oh yeah, that's like a twenty to thirty, and then yeah, All Star Brawl was right in there. I have not watched reviews or anything for uh, Balance, Balance, something Balance. What's it called? Why well, I think, oh no, Generations is the mobile game, I think. Avatar Quest for Balance, Quest for Balance. I believe. I've not watched any reviews or anything, not on purpose, but I was hoping that maybe you had, and you could prep me mentally. I haven't, I just decided, I'm just going in cold. I'll buy it eventually. I will, I need to, because okay. it's Avatar. And I like supporting Avatar no matter what, really. Because that's that's what uh, that's what a lot of my life is just supporting Avatar. I have a bunch of action figures over here and stuff. Although I just like those. Um, I but sometimes I, I just buy things just to buy them and have it. Well, when something is like a good idea, even if it's not dead on, but like oh, that's a good idea, I want to support that. And so this is one of those cases where I do <clears> want to I want to buy it new, but I want to buy it cheaper. If you've got, if you're going in cold. I'll try my best to go in cold as well. Maybe we'll get like a nice fresh review mm-hmm. in a few weeks when everybody else is like already yeah. forgotten that it's a thing. But I want mm-hmm. to buy it new because in my head, buying it new for some from somewhere counts toward the sales figure. So even if I'm getting it on oh, sale, it, 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 without a doubt, it means more to it. Like, and that's just how we. And I feel like we know that from re- working the retail. Like, all right, what's the sales up front? Because the sales on the back end isn't nearly as profitable or as you know, you're gonna do X amount of your sales in the first whatever months, and then, and if you can hit a certain number, then that means it's successful and stuff. So yeah, so waiting for that sweet spot of wanting to make an impact on how success, successful the game is, but also want to get it at a good deal. Now the catch is that if the price doesn't drop in the relatively near future, because we have empirical evidence from other game mill games. If the price does not drop in the relatively near future, we might have to accept that it is a good game and buy it at $40. I don't know what the odds of that are happening, but 
but like like I said, uh, for All Star Brawl is the example. It was like a week, and it was ten bucks off. Mm, okay. Um, okay. And so, well, hey, yeah, I'll just uh, I'll try to keep cold. I haven't seen it pop up in my. You know, when when you get, like you hover over a button on YouTube and it starts auto playing, I don't like accidentally listen to it or anything yet. So, going in blind. Um, well, congratulations on the promotion. And uh, looking forward to maybe watching Brooklyn Nine Nine on definitely your voodoo, but with your permission, <laughs> but in my house. Uh, I I had to complain just for like a minute. It's been like a insanely busy few weeks here, and so very sorry we missed last week. That was completely my fault. Um, honestly, I I just needed to sleep. <laughs> it's been wild. Um. But it's getting better. I think the next like 10 days for me will also still be insanely busy. Uh, but then after that, things should kind of like normalize and uh, get better. So, yeah. Um, apologies for last week. I needed that night of sleep. <laughs> I went to bed at like whatever night that was. It was the night before my anniversary. And I like, texted you. I was like, hey, I don't know if I can do this. I went to bed like 8.30, something like that, and slept till about 8.30, give or take. I can't. I can't fathom. Going. Only time I go through that early is if I have a headache, and I just lay down, and I wake up at 3 o'clock disoriented. And where am I? And then I'm up for like an hour or two hours, and then I go to sleep at like 5 o'clock and wake back up at 7. I have a hard time sleeping all the time ever uh like my wife always says that she can probably count the number of times that she's seen me asleep uh just because she falls asleep right away and i just never do um and i can't nap or things like that and so when she sees me asleep she's like i just assume that you're sick or dead or whatever i don't think i was sick because the next day i felt fine other than my back hurt because i laid in bed for 12 hours (laughs) so i don't think i was sick i just like needed a what do you call it? Need like a, a mental health day, but instead of mental health day, it was just a twelve hour, a twelve hour mm-hmm. nap, um, whatever that is to the equivalent of a mental health day. But uh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, thanks for your patience. Hope sounds very weeks, Canadian. Everything. Sorry, be, sorry, sorry. Uh-huh. sorry. Oop, sorry. Oop, oop. Hopefully, uh, we're almost done with a couple of random things that we have to get done in the house, and everything will be back to normal ish. Like a holiday season, normal, unfortunately. It's its own kind of busy. Chris, let's jump to the topic, which, uh, great topic, your suggestion. It is, uh, one of, it, did we decide, is he our favorite villain or second favorite villain? Maybe it was our second favorite villain. You know villain. what? That's, wait, Just that's favorite. a good question, Sean. And I was thinking about that today, by what I was putting my trash cans out. Not best, not scariest, the... just. <clears throat> so no. I was thinking about just like, is Amon my favorite villain? And then I was like, oh, you know, we should do an episode ranking the Avatar villains if we haven't already done that. I don't think we have. I don't think we've done sure we favorites because we so rarely do, which, you know, I understand why. We so rarely do that just kind of unadulterated, like, just just favorite. No reason. Super no, favorite, yeah. Right, right. Uh, we don't do that very often. I think we could afford ourselves yeah. the luxury of throwing out just a favorite villains uh, as a filler someday. Uh, when we're short on ideas or time. I think that'd be great. Um, yeah, okay. Well, don't tell me if he's your favorite villain. But today's topic is, what if Amon survived? And you clean up my context where I mess it up. But what we're going for is is present day. 
uh, Legend of Korra, and by that I mean after season four, after book four, what if Amon survived? And and Chris, I tried to think of some things that Amon might be doing in the interim that we can discuss between then and now that will contribute to the story. But that's really the basis: is, is if there was a if there was a book five, and Amon survived, maybe he's not ready to be the villain of book five. Maybe we'll find that out. What did I miss? Ooh. What else would you like to introduce before you jump into our flashpoint? No, that's that's general consensus. Uh, not, oh my, not, that's a general thing. Um, so the question, you know, the the flashpoint is like when they're on the boat. I'm on a boat. Thinking about Amy Sandberg again. Um, I was sorry. No, not gonna digress. No, I will because it's my freaking podcast. It is your podcast, and I mean, it's talking about Sandberg. Like we've already done that. You just as well. But <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of ludicrous lately because uh, it's just I got Amazon Music, whatever. And I was oh, I'll go back and listen to Ludicrous because like Ludicrous is worth his second album, Word of Mouth, really made me just fall in love with like music and hip hop. Like I'm, I, I was on a trip to Oklahoma City with my parents. It was one of our grand, it was one of our family trips of the year, just to the Oklahoma City Zoo. <clears throat> my sister gave me her CD player and just two CDs. One was a mixtape with just random stuff, and then one was Ludacris Word of Mouth. And like I was just infatuated. I was in like sixth grade and <laughs> stuff. Anyway, like Ludacris is like way more funny than I remember. Also, he. Talked a lot about hoes back then. <laughs> but, like, various types of hoes. Not even just, like, hookers, but, like, men could be hoes. So he had so many things about hoes. He had a song called Hoes in Different Area Codes. Uh, anyway, various songs. But he's really funny. Like, there's so much stuff he says that I, I, I forgot how funny he is with his lyrics. I was like, man, he should really do a song with a lonely island. Like, those two together would make a, such a good song. Like, just how funny both of them are, and how lyrically both of them are. I would love it. Anyway. Uh, yeah, well, and, I mean, obviously it worked great with T-Pain, but, like, T-Pain doesn't strike me as kind of inherently funny. Like, No, he he's not. Great. He did great, but probably at the... Well, yeah, no, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, let's get Ludacris and Lonely Island together. I think it needs to happen. Yeah. Um, um, thanks. Yeah, so I <laughs> crap, I forgot where I was. Go back to my point. Okay, when the, oh, because they're on the boat. <laughs> when the flash point is, Mom's on the boat in Tarlock. It's like, yeah, so it'll be just like the old times. And he unscrews whatever boat mechanism that is and he electrocutes it and they blow up. I think Amon could have probably easily felt his brother doing that, because he's a bloodbender, he can feel bodies moving and things like that. And so, what if he shooted himself, similar to how Zuko shooted himself in that explosion, and he survived, and he was a pretty weak firebender at that point. I think, one thing, I, I think Amon's dead, but, in reality, but, wanted to make a case that he survived, he's surrounded by water, he could have easily built a shield around himself, so there is that what if. Like, what if Amon survived? And, uh, yeah. I don't have any issues at all with the idea that A, uh, Amon has, like, the bloodbending equivalent of, like, a seismic sense, right? That, like, bloodbending mm, is his whole yeah. shtick. So if you told me that he just kind of had tabs on everybody within a five-foot radius of him at all times, like, yeah, why wouldn't he? Um, 
I would. Uh, and so you could tell me that, and then he could tell me that, like, hey, just the literal, like, feeling the unscrewing of the gas cap and, like, being a paranoid villain that he jumped off or just threw a wave of water, you know, kind of over himself to counteract, and he's farther away from the gas can. He's not the one directly over the, the yeah. source of the explosion. Like, yeah, I don't have any issue thinking for our exercise that he could survive. Yeah. But, so then um, what? He, so he, he water bends somewhere the in the middle of the ocean. Then what? I think it's funny because no one in the world knows what happened to Amon. That's kind of the scariest thing, and I'll, I might play with a little bit of that throughout the story. Um, I think logically he has to go hide out in <clears throat> in the Earth Kingdom. I don't think he can immediately um, rebuild and reorganize because now he's dealing with like this is the perfect time for him, especially for facing the Avatar. Because before Korra only knew three elements, she had no master of the Avatar state. This was like the weakest he could ever get her. And after his encounter, after season one. She's has four elements. She's mastered the Avatar state. She is a lot more OP than she's ever been. So now's definitely not the time to do that. And also he needs to kind of just reorganize. So I think he will lay low in the Earth Kingdom somewhere while building back up at least those uh, equalist sentiments throughout while like slowly building back up his uh, equalist organization. I would like to uh, suggest that initially he's in Republic City because he's in like confrontation, like kitted at the heart. He's very confident. Quora's young. In his rebound, I feel like maybe he's going to go to one of these like shattered Earth Nation, not shattered, but like the Earth Nation is not a, yeah. a, a cumulative thing yet, right? That's the book four's whole premise. So he goes to one of I mean, these. They, they are. They are, but they're not. Are, are, you, are you talking about what you're talking about now? What, what's the time frame? Is this like just in the middle? It's so uh, let's talk season two, okay. book, book two right now. But I think it's like, it feels like he could go into one of those communities. Uh, either way, maybe... those communities, either way, those communities are really small. Like they're not all connected. Like it's not like, oh, like, oh, there's trouble going on here. Like in order to get the earth kingdoms forces to help you out here like there's no web of interconnectivity of the earth kingdom like yeah like like you're saying he could go to the, one of these smaller town places anyway keep going well at first he's just trying to lay low and then you know maybe some bender bandits uh attack the city for you know for money or, or whatever um like we we have all these things that we have precedents for in the future like we we see kind of precedents for in book four I was like, maybe go to one of those places, and they're mostly non-benders, uh, and they get attacked by bandits, and and he saves them, but without bending visibly or whatever. Uh, and he, that's, oh, okay. like, that's how he starts his little, uh, I don't call it a cult, but like his his re-following. Um, Question under a new name. Go ahead. Do you think he still wears the mask? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna say he has to wear some kind of mask because. He might shield himself from an explosion, but I assume that. Well, he wasn't wearing the mask. The... Oh, the mask was gone. He didn't have the mask. I remember what happened now. When well, Corey kicked him, Eric kicked him out of the thing. The mask was in the water. So when he let when he when he died, 
He didn't have no mask on. Not well, saying he can't get a new mask. Well, and I also kind of want him to be like scarred and stuff from this explosion, just for like appearance. I think it's uh, a good like, idea. Um, yeah. At what he call anonymity, right? Uh, not that all the news in the world from Republic City has to reach this little Earth Nation town that we're talking about, but um, mm-hmm. I want I want that anonymity for him. I think he will be. <clears throat> I think even if he survives, he will be scarred. We're making it like like now, before. Yeah. Yeah, like before he was doing a fake scar, mm-hmm. and now this is a real scar. Like he's become what his uh, facade was. So the the issue with this story, at least as far as I crafted in my head, which is not much further than that we have, is that when you come up on book four, maybe he's doing this through all of of book two. That makes sense. Book three, we should talk about his, you know his potential interactions there. But uh, just looking ahead to like book four. I feel like the buck would stop because at some point you would have a Kuvira unnamed bloodbender fight. Well, not a known blood, but like we would have heard about that, right? That's where Mm. uh, we run into challenges knowing what we know. Like we would have heard that, I think, unless Kuvira just wiped him off the face of the planet and then our point is kind of moot. But no, I think that's the thing about Famon was concerned about Kuvira, and he, he might be a little bit vulnerable at the moment because he doesn't have the backing of an army. I think he lets whatever village that he's kind of protecting purposely give themselves to Kuvira. Because, like, he's like, why am I going to go to war with her right now? Like, I'm not... I'm not ready. Also, I want to I make also clear that Amon, Amon's convictions are real. Like, he feels like the world is a worse place because of bending. Like, I think he will still be going on it. Like, he still has to figure out, like, what can I do? I can't go Toto the Avatar anymore because she will defeat me. Like, I know how powerful the Avatar is. She already defeated me before. Now she has mastered the Avatar state. So he has to continue to go on this quest to ponder, like, what do I need to do in the world to make it more equal? So let's say... Uh, and so, so I think he in that case, if... Because Kuvira will would be going like to village to village, like submit, I'll give protection stuff. I think he will tell the people, "This, hey, is, the, yeah. this is the right thing for us to do at this time." Yeah, uh, I do think that is a that, that's a totally fair kind of compromise. But then also, in the back of his mind, I think at that times when he maybe starts planning his next move, because Korra is in like a weekend a weakened state, Ooh. right? So I feel like at that time, he's like, all right, we'll pretend to play along. Oh, That's yeah. the beginning of his master plan for that we're going to set in motion in the next chapter. But we don't want to jump ahead of book three. Chris, does he do anything exciting in book three time frame? Um, so I, I flirted with this idea because all right, if you think about Amon, he's, he's an equalist. It feels like bending is the worst thing. There's one person that is a non-bender to, to Mon's knowledge, that can disrupt everything, and that person is Zaheer. Like, because Zaheer was a non-bender, yet he led the Red Lotus and could, could lead the whole revolution. So I think he would have some admiration for Zaheer. I'm not sure. I think he might consider, like, oh, what is Zaheer up to? But those are those are two. <laughs> two of the, of the strongest benders who have not necessarily conflicting ideologies 
but they have Amon doesn't mind order. In fact, Amon likes order, <laughs> and Sahir wants chaos. But from but I think you could buy Amon into the from chaos comes order mentality. I think that'd be an easy enough sell. I just the only the only issue is that if Amon's convictions are real, which I think they are, I think that's his driving force. I do think that becomes at odds because Zaheer is not not gonna be down for the no bending bit, you know, like in Zaheer's mind maybe everybody is a bit like it's almost the opposite, but um but I was I was just the only thing I, I we don't want to change stuff that we actually saw happen in the show. At least I don't think we do. Yes. But I was like, what if what if somehow I don't know how, but like somehow like heist movie unseen behind the scenes that somehow Amon recognizing like the potential for chaos, especially like in book two, like you see in spirit, uh, spirits going crazy or whatever, and he's like, you know, maybe I can, I got to stir up the pot, the whole pot somehow. It's like, could he have somehow like set some of the plans in motion for the Red Lotus to to Ooh, escape? So it? this like, would be okay. Like I don't know what like those would idea. be, but I just want him to like, hey, because... if I can just get these guys out, <laughs> like... they're gonna set the world on fire. And uh, then Avatar is going to be a little preoccupied. Well, I just have the idea of being in season five, and it, you know there'll be a whole two or three episodes of of seeing Amon from 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 that explosion to where he is now, and like and then you get revealed like oh he was behind such and such and such and such. I, that's uh, hard to like find what that little thread is that he pulled. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. want it. Well, I, it's like I don't think he'd have been a mastermind that like sell together. No, I'm not like, saying like if, a, what yeah. If he, what if he planted the seed somehow with the Red Lotus reuniting just for the sake of chaos? Like it, they're they're gonna mess things up, and then I'll have maybe free reign of the whole Earth Kingdom. You know when they. The only I could see him. Hmm. I just don't know what that would have been like. What did he set in motion that didn't just you know wind up? So here got lucky. You, See the thing. Maybe that ruined his plans. The here got airbending. He's like, you know what? Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad idea. Yeah, I, w- I wish I had think of something. I think there would be. I think if there was something that he had a hand in that we didn't find out until later, would have more so had to do with, uh, with season four with after the Red Lotus stuff. Because things, I think out of all the, I think out of the three villains after Amon, he would probably get along with Kuvir. You know, in ideology, maybe, but like neither one of those is going to bow to. Each no, they they won't. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just so thinking cool. about like where could he help out Kuvira in a in a slight manner. I can't think of anything, but uh, that's tough. Uh, well, and I think... see, and I have no issue in book three that he doesn't really get to interact with Zaheer, and the, I just thought it would be cool if it could be worked in. But yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough yeah. string. I think I think one of the reasons why he would like to be involved with Kavira is because she is advancing things technology wise, and technology is going to be the biggest equalizer of them all. And so I think he would find some type of benefit to 
to at least keeping tabs on her or being cognizant of what her goings on are. I, I'm going to stick with uh, partially the political gambit thought process of, uh, you know, maybe maybe he is, is pro-Kuvira kind of in the background and his plan at some point in that time was was uh, like a position of, of political power within the Earth Kingdom, right? Because within the Earth Kingdom United would be an incredibly powerful position, even if Kuvir was, you know, supreme overlord or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that would, like, initiate his next plan. So, like, maybe in the background he's working on that and he does submit to Kuvira's demands or to the colony's demands or whatever. I forget what those are called, uh, those provinces. Uh, Territory? I forget. Yeah, territories, whatever they're called. And so maybe he submits, but he's just kind of like playing a political game, thinking, yeah, I'm going to work my way up Kuvira's political ladder when she unites everything. Uh, Something akin to that. But then that plan does fall apart also. And so then our book five just kind of becomes he's sick of waiting. What does he do next? Alright. We're we're now in uncharted territory here. Book five. Um, The what was that? Uh, What was I about to say? The um, oh, the title. Book five. So not that this is important to this story, but in my head, it's like Legend of Korra, book five. Has to be one word. It's either going to be like revolution or resolution. I, feel, I like resolution because in, sure, he says like, we're the revolution, but one time someone asked him, what is he? And he says, I am the solution. But like, resolution is almost like, I'm back. Like, this is the re, uh, this is the resolution. Like, I don't know. Resolution gives you kind of a final book vibe also. Oh. Right, it is the resolution of the story. Um, yeah, I can get on board with that. Okay, cool. Um, so now, got an Earth Kingdom under the leadership of the more mature Wu implementing his yeah. form of it's government, still... his new form of government. It's even in the comics right now, they're still pretty divided. Like some of the territories or the states have uh, elected officials, some of them don't. There's still some disconnection there. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's still ripe for, for Amon to like come back up. So he's already planted all these seeds, and now he has to bring all these people together. I think there's going to be like one town that there's like. Oh wow, things are getting like better and better here in this town. Like their infra- infrastructure is growing, the technology is growing. Maybe and that's then, it. Maybe he's uh, maybe his gambit is just hey, look at my look at look at what we're doing here. Look at what we're achieving here with without benders. Oh, without benders, yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, that I mean that creates a whole new... like a it becomes like a non-bender haven for people. Yeah, uh, I mean if. It will be the opposite of 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 Zalfu because Zalfu's like we're all metal benders there, like we're all earth benders at least. Most and of he's like bunch of racists. What you are? Um, the, yeah. Well, and I was thinking like uh, so you know Republic City, and we see um, you know like the Sato family manufacturing, but but there's no reason that like his city can't be like a like a riser. A, a fast riser in like the industrial game, right? And he's he's he has the whatever you want to call his title of that city, the mayor yeah. uh, of that city, 
overseeing like this crazy industrial growth. Um, and you know, he's just using behind the scenes manipulation to kind of make it happen, but he's drawing people in. It becomes like a blueprint. The only thing I don't want is for this to be like a rehash of book four, right? Which is just like one person trying to take over the earth nation. So I'm trying to decide in my mind, how do we differentiate um, from that? And then I'm thinking maybe it's like is... a civil war with Republic city or something on the other side of the earth nation. The thing I gotta keep thinking about is his motives. His motives are equality. And he thinks bending is the root of all evil. How do you fix that? You can fix it one of two ways. You can take away bending from everyone. And I don't think, and he tried that and it didn't necessarily work. And so, like, how can he even, even do that anyway? He could try to go after all the strongest, not the strongest, oh yeah, some of the strongest people in the world who are benders, some of the most, or the leaders who are benders, and so he would go after, but that feels very much like uh, book three, but also he's not killing them, though. he's just taking away their bending. Um, it's like, if you can take away bending from the people in power, they would know, because they're insecure and stuff, they would no longer um they would no longer uh, prioritize bending because they wouldn't be like, oh, well, you guys don't really like need. We don't need to use bending. Like, I want my family to 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 continue to grow and stuff. And if they live in a world where bending is the most important thing, well, I, I'll, I'll they'll be, I think, more inclined to make things to support more non-bending. I, I if their bending is taken away. I do like the second path of the two that you've mentioned, but I do I want to I want to walk through quickly my my civil war path for a moment because I have a developing okay. process here. First, I don't know if I want people to know Amon as Amon yet, right? But I'm thinking, oh, of course not, of course not, yeah. Um, so I'm thinking like he's got this growing city, growing industrial, um, and it seems like a good thing. It seems like everybody's in support, but then all of a sudden they like are are becoming kind of independent. You know, they've, they've got their own, um, what am I calling it? Like national defense technology, right? Like war machines and things like that. And Republic city, paranoid Republic city full of benders over here is like, can't have that. Uh, right. It's like direct opposition to being under, like, why, why do they need all these things for themselves? They're planning to seed paranoia. President Ryko's an idiot. So it kind of all works out together. And so then all of a sudden now you have like the two biggest cities in the in the Earth Kingdom where Amon's over here is visibly like as far as outwardly not aggressive, but it looks like they're doing something aggressive, even though they're not in reality in Republic City paranoid. And then, then you get this nice massive civil war that somehow Korra yeah. has to stop. And then at the end you get the Scooby-Doo reveal scene where they're like, it's Amon. I was those Scooby-Doo reveals. Um, um. Yeah, that's, rather rather I'm than cool take, with that. I'm scared of taking bending away from people early because that feels like a giveaway that it's a bloodbender, not necessarily a mon, but it feels like oh, like we've seen that. Well, before. it's and I wonder, you know, what would be even creepier is if that he secretly does. No, you can't secretly take away bending. You have to be very forceful. <laughs> that's the hard part is if Gotta, you take away bending from somebody who is noteworthy, like his known bender. All right, maybe that's a phase. Maybe that's a that's like end phase. phase. That's an end game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's cool. Or what do you call? It? That's like third act stuff where he's like, yeah. all right, now we're gonna start targeting 
uh, important people who will now support my haven because now they don't have bending. Uh, and this is, I think, so I, I mentioned there's two ways to equalize the world. One is take away bending from those who have, take away the power from those who have power, or there's, there's the give power to those who don't have power. Now, technology has come some type of ways from, from that, like you have electric gloves and stuff, you have, you can probably eventually have spirit line technology, but that's something expensive. Like only the rich and powerful can probably have access to those things. But things that are cheap is <laughs> gunpowder. And I Gasol and I, I'm, gasoline. If, if, yeah. And if Mike and Brian's ever listened to this, they'll shut this off because they'll never want this in the world of Avatar. But the most and this sounds like I'm a very Second Amendment <laughs> supporter, which I do support the Second Amendment to certain. I, I support, anyway. Common sense uh, gun laws. People poison ivy said it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still need to catch up on Harley. I'm only like three episodes uh, in. Uh, anyway. Okay. Did you finish it? Yes. Uh, okay. It's it's fine. Uh, it's not as good, okay. but but. <laughs> But <laughs> the biggest equalizer is a gun. It is a gun. <laughs> that, it, it's a gun. And the technology is all throughout the universe. Just no one has built it because no one's needed it. Cause, cause... Go ahead. <laughs> Chris, um, well, first of all, I like where you're going, right? And so all of a sudden we got these guys manufacturing weapons that are yeah. kind of a new deal. Right? That's kind of a big deal. Yeah, Brian and Mike aren't going to love this, but listen, we're not talking to them. If they want to come onto our podcast <laughs> and talk about us, about our ideas, that's pretty cool. Let's do that. Uh, Chris, can we get... Do you think Amon can forge somehow a connection with the spirit world? Can we involve the spirit world somehow? Because you said it was kind of creepy earlier, and I kind of got where you're going. Is like, how can he maybe get people... Give, give, give people bending? Like, does he have a way or a means where he'd be connected uh, with the spirit world? cause some nebulous shenanigans like that i would i there's nothing to support that he would have the ability to give someone bending and i can't like that's a very like imagine the way he and this is my head how i the way he takes people's bending way it's like imagine that there is a river and there's a dam and like the dam is open, the chi flows. He sees that dam, he closes the dam, cuts off the chi to this area. He can't bring in another river yeah. from somewhere. You you already have to have that river, which makes sense. Uh there's just a part of me that like part of what uh last book we didn't really get any we got spirit vines but we didn't get any action with the spirit world as much maybe that's what my head is just like hey can we wrap that in somehow there's probably not a great answer for that but um yeah and that may not be necessary that's just my brain reaching reaching I like so uh the reason why I like guns i think are are so interesting because we thought we, we you know we just read the legacy of Yenchen and things where like unanimity was earth shattering it was like <laughs> holy crap Pun three people <laughs> holy crap three people have the ability 
to make explosions with their minds, and that's going unchecked. Now imagine hundreds, thousands of people from this one village have the ability to just pop. Like, they're just manufacturing no... it. That's what the city is, is like. That's like kind of to them, it's not their namesake, but to the outside world, it's like that's the city that makes guns. That's where it, exactly. that's the origin of evil over there. Yeah. When all the town people are just like, no, we can't bend. We're just trying to hunt stuff easier, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I need a semi automatic to hunt. <laughs> this, listen, Chris. Chapter uh, book five is going to get real political, real fast. <laughs> we just marched this down a very, very divisive path. But listen, will people watch it, Chris? The answer is yeah. Everybody would watch our book five. Uh, but this does this the civil war that is building would it get to a point right where you if if you know whatever conversation builds up for the civil war, like imagine the United Nations. The United Republic Nations is like, all right, let's go fight these people. And then this village comes out, and they're like, what they're doing? They're just standing there. And then out of nowhere, it's just, they're raising their hand, they're pointing a metal, like, it's like, what the heck? Like, it's like, our bending is, like, sure, we can put up rocks and stuff, but only a few of us can. This thing is shooting through fire, shooting through water. Like, it, and yeah, then okay, that's, um, yeah. I like, also, only metal benders... Oh, you could also... I'm not sure how far technology is to make plastic bullets. Uh, that way, metal benders wouldn't be able to... to bend it would even be hard. Yeah, it would even... There's only a few metal benders that I think would actually be able to foresee a bullet coming and metal bend it out of the way. And that's probably, like, Lin, Thuyen... Um... I'm going to say, not that we should get too deep into it in this particular chat, but we could, I know I'm grasping at straws again, but like if you, if you invited in again, like the spirit vines technology, right? They saw Kuvira do it. It's like, all right, well, let's, instead of in a giant mech, what if this is, uh, what if this is portable? Right. I think, I think you could maybe manufacture a way that it would be kind of metal bender proof. Right, you're firing, firing. Oh, yeah. Spirit vine plasma. You, you know, it's just like it's just the only problem that I had with spirit vines. Just like right, how powerful is this stuff? Like I know how powerful the spirit cannon is, but imagine like a little bit of spirit vine. Like I, I just don't know how. You know how laser beams are or laser guns are. Like they can well, and that wasn't. You or they can cut right through you. I'm not sure. It wasn't my favorite part of book four anyway, just because it like a little nebulousness to it. Uh, so it already wasn't my favorite part of book four. I just feel like, yeah, if you put up, you know, one good earthbender puts up a bunch of rock walls and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, they're probably fine over there. I'm also, I'm also not sure Amon has that technology, tech, technology, tech, technological savvy. To make spirit guns, but like I said, gunpowder and bullets in a chamber and a trigger—that stuff is like well, and thousands of years old. Maybe we're Not thinking thousands, too, but... like small-minded too. We're talking about people holding guns. It doesn't have to be that. It could be like what they just got cannons. They just, like military firepower all over the place. Not individual people holding guns, but like people 
firing cannons, rockets, you know, like, take that, Earthbender, you know, things like that, that as, yeah, you can stop one, but can you stop a barrage from our, like, well, uh, you know, our very well-defended city? Um, yeah, uh, well, and the reason why I was, the reason why I was thinking guns is guns is, one gun is a very personal thing, right, and then, like, this is it my bending. Be I bend bullets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I said, Mom will leave the charts. Now, Cora, for now, Cora has to deal with, like, all right, should I go shut these people down? Like, do I have a right to shut this down? Well, she's torn, too, because so oh. far they're non aggressive. It's Republic City that's like, we got we to gotta put a stop to this, right? It's like, it's Republic City. So then Cora's divisiveness, or maybe that, that kind of part of part of the climax we're working towards the, through the conflict is she makes the right slash wrong choice by confronting Republic City, right? That seems like the right choice uh, to the Avatar at the time. But she also doesn't know that's a Mon over there with like a master plan. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then so I, I gotta think does this might, this conflict might end with Amon winning ultimately. Because his goal is to equalize everyone. And if everyone has access to you know, to a gun, then the world is a lot more equal. I just can't see anyone being able to to Stop that! Like that's something that might be beyond the avatar's power. And also, should it's not fair that some people are born without bending? They are at the at, at times at the at the whims or at the mercy of of benders. Like why why shouldn't they have something to protect themselves with? Well, and I think um, that much like in book four, where we often have said like yeah, like. Until she went crazy, the cause was all there. We say that, but book one, book three, book four. Uh, but I feel like there's somewhere where I don't know if it's great storytelling or not, but what maybe turns the tides in the Avatar's favor is somewhere along the line, very late, like mid act three or whatever, Amon does have to bloodbend, right? Like it gets out that it is Amon, and so then it's not really a good reason by itself, but like everybody's like, oh, holy crap, that guy, A, is a bender, he's been lying to us this whole time, and B, oh, he's a notorious villain, you know? <laughs> um, and so that maybe turns the tides in Avatar's favor, even if that doesn't ultimately answer the question of like, how do we approach equality better? Uh, maybe you have to wrap that up into like after school special, like, well, listen, you guys were doing great without Amon bloodbending, so you just keep Doing that, we'll try to model other yeah. cities and things. Out I think. I think model. eventually, if we want to turn Amon into more villainous, <laughs> you know, the way Kovir did, I think eventually he would have to like have some small ragtag group of them, like maybe former people from, uh, you know, like Longshot or from the Neon Archer, someone who's great at that. Now they got a gun. Now they're like, all right, let's, let's get it. Longshot <laughs> with a sniper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I in order, that they're like borderline like too political yeah. in order for this story to become so for a monster become more of a villain 
he would have to take this small team of people and go out and take out the strongest benders in the world or take out heads of states. Because now this is phase three, right? This is where he's like, all right, people know who I am. I can't, like, they're coming to shut down this city and stuff. Now it's all, it's a full out, like, I gotta now be a lot more aggressive with my plans. So then Korra takes something out. Because I think no matter what, the Avatar is powerful enough to withstand, and also she's a metal bender, uh, to withstand anything. And part of what, not that it can't be a good story without this, but like part of what we're like proverbially paying to see is Amon be an awesome bloodbender. So, uh, like, yeah, at some point in the third act, we got to see Amon start bloodbending and taking out some powerful people with a ragtag group or yeah. or or discreetly. Okay. So, so there has to be some sacrifice to show him. Yeah, 100%. so if he was in the Earth Kingdom, he might go to Zalfu, which is like the pinnacle of bending. He takes. Hmm. Although taking bending away isn't as big of a deal now because Korra can just give it right back to you. Max, I don't want him to kill Suyin. Uh, Chris, it's not what we want. It's what's right <laughs> for the story. Uh, what about what now? About Mike is definitely like you can't can compromise. Well, he's a non-bender. That that'll... Oh, you're right. That flies in the face. <laughs> All of her kids. Chris, pick her least favorite kid. The one you care about most. <laughs> uh, I mean, her least favorite kid is probably... See, that's a bender? Um, uh, the, the... The... Goth one, I guess. Who was the artist. Yeah. Uh, so Zafu, Zafu would be mm-hmm. neat. Like story wise, but I think I kind of want bigger. I want I want yeah, okay. a bigger like if it's not Su Yin, then we got to direct it somewhere else because we need a bigger uh, name. With regards to names, uh, she may could take out Toph. Toph or um, yeah, uh, the Toph Chief Beifong, like one one of the Beifongs. Um, I don't think a Toph at this point has the impact we're looking for, uh, but Bayfong. It would. It would, it would from a. It would from a. Not necessarily from story perspective, but from a, a viewer. they be like, holy! They like they immediately turn on Amon. Like, how dare you kill Toph? Yeah. Although Toph, at Toph's old age, I don't think she could deflect a bullet. I just I keep going back to Lin. Like if you don't kill Su Yin, we are, we're already talking about Republic City stuff. I feel like Lin is a decent target. Yeah, but he already had that personal thing with Lin. It might be too. Uh, you don't think that cut the that like closure? Like she she gets to see who that was already right before she dies or whatever. Was all, that was already such a great scene, and they played it like she was shot. Because they mimicked it off of a uh, scene in Cowboy Bebop where this girl was shot in the rain. Fair enough. Um, so it had to be Suyin. I am... Um, Between, if we're in the Earth Kingdom. I don't want him to die. I just want him to be in here. Also, as we gotta get Zuko back in this. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> have another Yeah. And Iroh. We gotta get those guys in here, too. I mean, they're just part of the Republic City 
forces fighting in this civil war or in this skirmish. No, this is a good time for Iroh too to make a huge yeah, we, comeback. He's he you needs, know, he's I think I think he's the one that's killed. Because I also Chris, think he's strong enough. Top ranked firebender. You think that guy dies? Our top ranked firebender. But this is a good. This this just shows just how freaking different this new technology is. It takes one one snipe sniper bullet to the head from from three hundred yards or whatever. And <laughs> nah, I gotta be more personal than that. That death gotta be more up close. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. That be that would be a. That's yeah, like, like but he takes name out to kill that would not like ruin like, our path out, to Avatar success. Like he encounters a Mon's elite force, like they're all you know strapped, and he takes them all <laughs> out, right? And like <laughs> this, this book's rated R for sure. Yeah, and like he, he takes them out, and one shoots at him, and he blows his fire hot enough that it melts the bullet. Because his fire being just so freaking powerful, he melts the bullet before it can get to him. But then, you know, and he looks up and he's like, then like they're all on the floor. He's like exhausted. And then he stops and he looks down. He missed one. And he falls to his death. Straight up through the jaw. Violent and gory. No, not through the jaw. Just, just in the. Just in this general area somewhere. Violent even in the heart. Just how Brian and Mike <laughs> intended this show to be. <laughs> this is the yeah. this is the Logan of the Avatar universe right here. How long have we been recording? A long time. A okay. long time. And my voice is still going. I, I hope so. Yep, we both got volume. Voice, voice. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, but to wrap it up. I guess <laughs> after that death. Let's leave it on the because Brian and Mike are going to pick this idea up and run with it. No, they're going to pick up our idea about Avatar Zeta. Oh, they are. We're going to elaborate on that, Chris. We're going to become authors. Uh, not that, maybe not, you know, licensed authors, but we're going to become authors and we're going to make that book a reality. Uh, get get back into your comic drawn mode, Chris, because. It's, t- it's time. It's time we write the story of Avatar Z- Zeto. Yeah. Um, uh, but to wrap it up, of the Amon thing, Korra eventually face him and defeat him because she's the Avatar. That's how it and, goes. But Amon had a lasting impact. Not only twofold. Not only did he pass like voter stuff. Not pass. It's not like he was in Congress. Enforced a new. <laughs> A political Inspired a new political system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also he gave power to the people in his guns. Because once once that Pandora's box is open, it's they, it's they open. Like, I think that Korra wins when when somehow something whatever it is that is spilled to her when she figures out that it is a mon, uh, and then that somehow fuels her her sort of plan of attack to victory. But it is, like, it's midway through that third act. It's it's a ways before she realizes that. And there, we got uh, book five of The Legend of Korra, the book you didn't know that you needed until the rated R Korra story. <laughs> the Avatar universe will never be the same. It really wouldn't be the same. Like, having guns in the Avatar universe changes everything. It completely oh, equalizes. Horrible. It's horrible. Um, 
No matter what, though, these guns will be registered. And then finally, Chris, finally, we'll get the Avatar game that we deserve, which is just a Call of Duty game with Avatar characters. An Avatar who's just strapped up. What? Why would you even bend? If, if you had, like... I mean, I guess to get around... Well, for, func- for functional reasons, bending is still great. But when you're playing on the offensive, like, you're packing heat. Yeah, sure. Let me throw this. I want to throw this rock over there, but I just put a freaking barrel on a a, a silencer on a thing and just. Yeah. Well, avatars don't like to kill, so. What if you? Well, what if you, as an avatar, were a gifted bloodbender or like gifted earthbender, right? So you had a perfect sense of exactly where everybody was. You pop up, you know, like (laughs) you'd be a great shot. Uh, you're an airbender. You just you just wanted bend the bullet wherever it needed to go. You just give it that little extra poof of wind was in the air. Um, Bending bullets like wanted. It would eventually turn into wanted. It would absolutely. Airbenders would become the wanted. Uh, the um, assassins and metal and metal benders and metal benders. Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah, metal. Ben- I don't know why metal benders aren't doing this already. They don't even need the gun. They just you know just fire it. They haven't thought of it yet. That's why. Yeah. That's how. That's how they fight back. They. We don't need guns. We just need the bullets. Um, <laughs> it's got so dark. Uh, all right. Uh, listen. Thanks for listening to Avatar the Last Podcasters. We hope that you'll take all the things that we said today with a grain of salt. And um, thanks for your patience last week. My name's Sean. That's Chris Ford, a.k.a. the Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter slash X. And, uh, we'll I only give them the satisfaction. There's no Listen, I didn't delete the app, but I took it off my home screen because I hated seeing that stupid white, dumb scientific calculator X on my amongst the other icons. And uh, I'll put all the information in the description, just like I always do. And we hope you'll come hang out with us next week. See you later. can't wait till we get Avatar Universe action movies. It's going to be great. Except for now I'm thinking about Bruce Willis and that makes me sad. Yeah.